This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. When you want the best, you have to act fast, especially when hiring for your business. You want to find the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds top talent fast. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations at Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 9th to the 15th of May. I'm Ezzie Pearson, the magazine's news editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by reviews editor Paul Money. Hi, Paul. Hello, Ezzie. We're ready to go again for another week. Another week and another bunch of things to see in the night sky. Let's go. Well, you know what? Um, it's not often we get off to a second week with an evening object. A nice, convenient time this time. And it's one of those that, uh, I mean, obviously we can see the moon and the first quarter moon on May the 9th lies right next to Eta Leonis. And Eta Leonis is, is above Regulus, the brightest star in Leo the Lion. But it's also an area which we call the sickle asterism. So you've actually got sort of Regulus, you've got Eta, you've got Algebra above that, which is a wonderful double star. I mean, it's a bit tight, around about five arc seconds apart. So you've not just got the first quarter moon to enjoy. You, know, you can actually look at the sickle asterism. It looks like a backwards question mark to me as well. Um, but you've also got Algebra above them, Gamma Leonis, this wonderful golden yellow pair of stars. They're quite tight to say, but well worth having a look at in binoculars. But you don't need binoculars for the moon. You can see the moon right next to Eta uh, with Regulus below them. And uh, it's worth looking out. I mean, you're talking about 10 o'clock 
o'clock in the evening as the sky gets darker. But uh, you'll see the moon, obviously. The, one of the beauties is the moon. You can see when it's at first quarter, you can actually see it in daytime. The number of times people say to me, I saw the moon in the daytime. I said, well, yeah, it goes around the earth. So at times, there will be times when it's up in the daytime sky. Simple as that. But uh, there we are, it's right next to Etileone, so well worth looking at. That's on May the 9th. Now, we skip a couple of days and we go to May the 11th when, yes, we're back to the morning sky. Yes. But I like, you like challenges, don't you, Ezzy? I like challenges <laughs> as well. Night Always sky fancy a challenge. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, I mean, if it's all too easy, then it can, it can get a bit boring. So the challenge here is that we've got this nice spread of bright planets we've discussed for several weeks now in the morning sky. And I'm looking at about 4 a.m., 4.11 to allow for Venus to rise because Venus and Jupiter have now got quite a gap between them. This is the 11th of May, remember. So there's a big gap formed between them. But interestingly, they're fairly evenly spaced between Venus, Jupiter, and Mars. But in this case, now use binoculars between Jupiter and Mars, almost halfway. And we find there's another planet. There's Neptune lurking there. Now, we have to bear in mind that is bright twilight. So it is going to be a challenge. But that's why it's a challenge, because it's in the bright twilight sky. It's magnitude 7.9. So it is quite faint in that respect. But if you know exactly where to look, you might be able to pick it out. And if you can't find it in binoculars and have a telescope, point a telescope in that direction, you will stand a better chance perhaps to pick it out um, with the more light gathering capability of the actual telescope. Now, that isn't the only challenge of this, because as I say, that's between Jupiter and Mars. But now look at Saturn. Now, Saturn is well over in towards the southeast, and it's not far from Delta Capricorni. In fact, it forms a triangle with that star and the minor planet Vesta, number four, to be actually discovered. So again, it will need binoculars. It's a similar magnitude. It's slightly brighter. I think magnitude 7.2. So a tad brighter than Neptune. And it's a bit higher in a slightly darker sky. So there you are. But it'll form a nice triangle with Saturn and Delta Capricorni. So well worth having a look at them. And if you do that, if you think about it, you've got the four bright planets, you've got a fifth fainter planet, and you've got a minor world. So you've got another solar system object as well. So, you know, it's well worth trying with binoculars first and then maybe even a telescope to try to defeat the twilight and pick out these fainter objects. So uh, a plethora of planetary system, uh, solar system objects in the morning sky for you to hunt down rather than just the plain old boy bright ones. <laughs> now, we're back to not just past midnight, midnight-ish onwards sort of thing, the first couple of hours of May the 13th. Look for the moon. Now, there are times when bright stars get occulted. This is where the moon passes in front of the star and blocks out its light for a set amount of time. And in the early hours of Friday the 13th, yes, I know that date, but we can't help. I, I, I'm not superstitious. Are you super? We're scientists, Ezzy. We shouldn't be superstitious. Hint, I am slightly. It's Friday the 13th. <laughs> Good grief, you know. That's the one date that strikes fear into most people. But look for the moon in the early hours of the morning. We're talking about, say, start about 1.30 in the morning, but an occultation, Parima, Gamma Virginis, will be occulted roughly 1.49 a.m. But you've got to bear in mind, depending on where you are in the UK, it'll either sort of be occulted slightly earlier than that or slightly later. So bear that in mind. We always say 10 to 15 minutes before the event, look at it just so you don't miss out. 
So it's about just under an hour that it's disappeared for, and then it'll reappear roughly at about 2.42 a.m. And again, have that uh, caveat of 15 minutes either way. Just keep an eye. Now, it occults, the moon occults Parma on the dark side of the moon, and then it reappears on the bright side. So the dark side is the interesting one because I always find it strange because you've got the, you can't really see the dark side part of the moon. It's like a, a dark crescent. So you'll see the star and then suddenly it'll go out. Or will it? Because it's actually a tight double star. So this is one of those things whereby this is how often double stars were discovered. When they noticed the star didn't wink out straight away as it should do if it's a single star, it faded a little bit and then went out. And that told astronomers they were actually a double star. So this is a good chance to reenact that experiment and see Porima being occulted and see how the light changes. Instead of being one dimming, it goes down and then out completely. So there we are. Close double star for you. So well worth having a look at with Porima. I always think that's really nice when you can recreate some of those sort of the the sort of classic astronomy experiments, you know, take a step back in time and actually act like... Because so much of astronomy now, these days, is done with these, you know, huge fancy telescopes that, like, even professional astronomers don't go anywhere near. And so being able to sort of sit at your telescope, at the eyepiece, like the astronomers did in the days of ye old, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and make these discoveries in adverted commas for yourself, I think is, is always a magical experience. And, and I highly recommend doing it if you can. I agree totally. You know, I mean, you are. You, and you're seeing the solar system in operation. We, t we mm. often talk about the clockwork solar system because we can predict these things so accurately. And so, you know, this is this is what you're doing. You're, you're seeing the real motion of the moon carried in front of the stars because naked eye, you don't really notice it. It's only when you've actually got binoculars or a telescope and you get an occultation that you suddenly think, hang, hang on, the moon is actually moving. Now, I like it when it's moving through a cluster of stars like the Pleiades or, or M44, the Beehive Cluster. But we haven't finished there because we have a second occultation. Now, we don't often recommend occultations when they're really close to full moon, but mm. I, I still think it's worth going because if the occultation is on the dark limb, you've still got that moment where you've got this slither of darkness, which you can't really see. So the star catches you out, it suddenly goes out. And the star in this case, this is on May the 14th, and it's in the evening sky, half past 10 roughly, before it gets occulted sort of thing. So uh, the occultation takes place around about 10.30. Again, remember that caveat, 15 minutes either way. And the star is Lambda Virginis. And so it's a technically a naked eye star. It's in a bit of a, a void sort of thing. Vir Virgo is quite a large constellation. So it's, a, it's to the sort of like eastern side of the constellation, a bit on its own as well. But reappearance occurs about 11.33, again, 15 minutes either side, just in case. So, you know, this week we get two occultations come along. It's, it's a miracle there wasn't a third. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it wasn't quite like buses this time. But I, I love these because they, I say, you know, I, I hope we have clear skies for this because that's the other caveat, isn't it? We have these events occur and, um, you know, I, again, sort of they don't have me anywhere near because I seem to be a cloud magnet because every time I want to see something like like this <laughs> it's cloudy you know so uh, you know it's one of those things but you know i love these occultations and we get two in one week i mean you know after that we don't get any so uh, it doubles you know, your chances of seeing one it might be cloudy on one of them but hopefully it won't be cloudy on the other so. exactly yeah exactly so uh, well worth having a go so there we are so quite a busy week really 
Yeah, it does certainly sound like there's lots of really interesting things to see in the night sky. So thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us, Paul. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our sky guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify.